as a graphic designer, good design isn't aesthetics. Good design is functionality. So mm. if something functions, that makes it good, not what it looks like. So in terms of that, I do a lot of work for Bounce TV and Brown Sugar, which is an S5 service, streaming videos on demand. Being a black male, being able to highlight black people for a black network in a positive light. Mm. And to do that, you know, with my trade, I think that's a beautiful thing. Before we get into this episode, I know you've been struggling with the idea of starting your own business and launching a premium product that you know is going to transform lives. So I have a bomb resource for you. The man himself, Words Taylor, is going to help you launch your product or service for the clients who need your help right now. Now you can't call yourself a business owner unless you are getting in front of new clients every single day and Words knows exactly how to do that. All you have to do is tap in so he can teach you his six-figure launch strategy that's produced over $5 million in client sales. So all you have to do is go to HighTicketLaunchSecrets.com. That's HighTicketLaunchSecrets.com and get into the free training. It's happening this week. So go to HighTicketLaunchSecrets.com and let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Work and Play podcast. I'm your host, Ariel Young. And thank you so much, Mr. Sharadrick Sh- Spikes, for joining me on the couch today. Yes, no um. Hello, everyone. I'm Sir Roderick Spice. I'm a creative director and experience-based designer, um, you know, based here in Atlanta. So, you know, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Creative director and very, very creative person, which I love having conversations with, like, people with creative thinking. And one thing that, that I've already learned to love about you is your, like, your dialect, your communication style, because it just kind of, it, it bounces back on the way that I speak, because I'm very much... I'm very much communication driven, but sometimes I can be a bit technical in the way right. that I speak. Mm-hmm. And you're very descriptive, and yes. and I want to. I just keep. I don't want to overuse the word creative, but you know, you are definitely um, creative in the way that you experience. I mean, the way you communicate. So um, yes, we are here to talk about you know work and play and all those great and wonderful things. I think the coolest thing about um, a lot of my guests is you know, the transition Mm -hmm. to either entrepreneurship or whatever that balance or merge of work and play looks like. Mm -hmm. So without further ado, would you like to just talk a little bit about what it is that you do and and how you got to where you are today? Yes, well, um, first I want to highlight, I actually had a, uh, my first ever fashion collection launch yesterday at um, 10 o'clock and that was, that was pretty cool. Um, A lot of work, a lot of time went into that. Um, What's the collection about? Um, it's like a, it's a basically a fashion collection. So I had a uh, a fashion collection and art review, and I had art on the wall. So basically, within the review, is um, me trying to decide on what fashion pieces or what um, what artwork I wanted like sell on my site since I was launching my new site. But I was actually launching my store mm-hmm. um, on my site, and. Um, for now, I decided to hold off on the uh, artwork part because I had limited bandwidth, so I didn't overwork. I didn't want to overwork myself. I'm already overworking myself to the point of having the fashion collection launch this week, and then I have my uh, film screening premiere next week. Um, so, where I am, I'm what's the film screening though? Yeah, so you gotta, gotta tell us what that yeah, is. <laughs> the film screening, it's um, so it's called, it's entitled Silence, and last year during the pandemic. Um, I turned 30 years old, and it was August 24th was my birthday, so um, I want to have an art exhibition. And I looked through a few different spaces in Atlanta, 
Um, you know, due to the pandemic, we're really limited to where, um, you know, you can have events and the events had to be really, really small. It's like five people. And I was like, well, I can't do anything because I'm expecting like 200, 250 people. Um, so I was like, you know, I had to go back to the drawing board. What can I do to where people can experience my work without being in person or, you know, just staying safe? Mm-hmm. And had an epiphany, light just went off, and I was like, well, I can make a movie. And, you know, the movie turned out, it turned out amazing. And so because I was turning 30, I wanted to re- I wanted to approach it in a creative way of approaching the 30-30 concept. So I had a uh, short film. It was an Afro, um, Afro-futuristic erotic short film. Um, it was about 16 minutes. Afro-futuristic neurotic. Erotic. Erotic, yes, erotic. Damn, yes. okay. Yeah, Afrofuturistic erotic short film. Um, I wrote it, directed it, produced it, and my partner, Diamond Sam, she uh, co-produced it for me, and she actually shot the film. Um, her name is Shani, uh, but her her name, her, her stage name is like Bonnie Blue. She actually shot the BTS photos for me, and then... Um, had my friend, he was also the chef and a, and a crew on set. His name was Rashmel Johnson. He's a uh, chef based out of, um, he's from Savannah, but he's based out of Jacksonville at the moment. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was, a, it was a small set. We shot in 19 hours, long day. Um, shout out to Jennifer Bonner. She actually let me use House Gables, which is now, she finally sold it. And so it's no longer on the market, but I'm just grateful that I was able to get my film experience shot in that film. And it's one of the yeah. most design-wise intricate film, I mean, intricate uh, homes in the city of Atlanta. Um, but I don't want to get too caught up in that, but yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, so Silence is, is basically like a, a screening of four short films. And 30 is one of the short films, and I'm reintroducing it to the world. This is my first time having it premiered to where in a public space. And the three short films that I'm also introducing along with 30 um, haven't, has never been seen before. So this is going to be the premiere of those three films and the, re, the relaunch of 30. And they're all, they're all silent films, which hence the title, Silence. And so, yeah. Got it. Yeah, so it's, a lot of thought was put into it. It looks like yeah. it. When you go to your website and you see the experience, it's like, okay, one, you know, I haven't gone to the movies in almost, almost a, two, almost two, two it feels two, like two, two years, years. Yeah, because, uh-huh. because of the pandemic. But um, when I go, when you go to your page, of course you see like the, the banner of like what the movie is supposed to be about and like mm-hmm. the image. And I'm like, this looks really, really cool. So I'm actually, I'm excited to be at the premiere. So I'll let you guys know how that goes. We're going to see some more BTS yes. stuff by the time this thing launches. Um, but I kind of want to get into a little bit more about what it is that you do. So, you know, when people ask like, what do you do? They want you to right. tell us about your job, but mm-hmm. creative director is the short way to say what it is that right. you do. How would you describe what it is that you do? And you, if there's actually a longer title too, right? Yeah, it's like creative director and experience-based designer. Um, so recently, within during the pandemic, mm-hmm. um, I kind of, I was, I'm still in this, I won't say rocky place, but I'm still in the foundational phases, uh, the foundational phase of, you know, figuring myself out. Hence, my brand is about art, design, fashion, and wellness, and you know is basically through the exploration of identity. And so myself, I have, you know, 
I've been dealing with my identity for my entire life. So, you know, what a better way to highlight that in my brand. And so, um, in short, it's just, you know, I'm, uh, I'm sorry. It's like you don't have to be short either. Yeah, so. Because I, I love the whole story, like experiential. So the first part is the creative director, mm -hmm. right? And then there's experience it's designer, experience-based right. experience based experience design. based designer. Yes, correct. So then let's just break it up. So the experience-based designer, when did that come to you? Um, that came to me earlier this year, actually, because mm -hmm. I realized that before I was calling myself, you know, an artist, um, visual artist. And then I really, really thought about it. And I was just like, I did like two o'clock in the morning. Like, mm -hmm. who are you? What do you like? What do you enjoy? Not what people want you to like, not what people want you to enjoy, not what people think you are, not what you want to call yourself. Who are you and what are you? Yeah. And I really thought about it. I was like, you know, I'm transitioning into this space of experience. So I'm changing the way people experience art, design, and fashion and wellness. And so what is that? And I was like, perfect. Because I curate, not only do I curate, but I design mm. everything. So I'm an experience-based designer because I design experiences for people. And um, with the creative direction part, um, the creative director is basically a person that oversees the entire creative process for a particular project. And like I said, for 30, I literally did everything. I got the, uh, I booked the space, um, found the space, did the research for the space, I designed the movie poster, um, you know, I art directed, creative directed, the photographer to take the to take the shot for the poster. Um, it's funny, my partner and I, Diamond Sands, we actually made the cake for the film because we couldn't find that we couldn't find uh, a baker mm. like, in a in an appropriate time frame. Wow! So we made the cake. <laughs> um, I designed the topper that went on top of the cake. It was like little, like all the little meticulous details in the film, which is, you know, I even designed, like if you really, when you watch the film, you'll see a water bottle that she takes out of the cabinet. I actually designed the label for the water bottle. Okay. I designed a t-shirt that she's wearing. It's like literally I did. The you know, whole the experience. Whole, yes, the whole so that's thing. where the experience, um, the experience design I have to say it. I have to, you have to experience tell Experience-based design. Experience-based design comes yeah. from. And then your medium is video and photography, um, mainly? I would say, to be honest, my medium would really be whatever I'm touching for that particular project. Mm -hmm. and, but lately, I have really been getting a lot into film. I didn't realize how much I really enjoy film until I shot 30. Not realizing that film is literally every creative or every art medium yeah. all in one. It's like a collage of every creative medium. Coming onto the Come, screen right, and exactly. interacting with each other to create an experience for the the right. viewer. Right, exactly. That makes a lot of and sense. That's the beauty, that's the beauty of film and I'm in my I'm in my mind a lot. I have a very dark mind, but you know, I think sometimes the darkest minds come like you get the most creativity sometimes from the darkest minds. So mm. I'm a big fan of Jordan Peele, Steven Spielberg. And these guys are more so on the horror genre. And what Jordan Peele is doing right now, they try to compare him to Steven Spielberg, or not Steven Spielberg, uh, Stephen King. And you can't compare the two because Jordan Peele is the first Jordan Peele. And so what he's doing right now, he's creating a new genre of horror, but he's putting the black 
the black uh, protagonist in the forefront of the film, and they're also being the uh, the prominent figure in the film versus them just being like a background character. Mm. No one's done that before him, and so in terms of what I'm doing, that's I'm kind of like segueing into that. Also, like I said, we're doing with film. I had a a brown woman, a woman of color in the film, and when you see the film, you see a lot of nods to blackness that black people would truly understand and resonate with, mm-hmm. um, and not just black people, women in general, and so you know. My brand is I really want to highlight, highlight everyone, of course, but I, as a young black male, I also want to highlight people of color, but I want to make sure I only highlight people of color in a positive light. I love like, it. I don't want to create, you know, a little black boy crying because, you know, his dad, police brutality and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. That's um, only one story. Right, that's, it's only that's one literally... story, right, you know, and, you know, we're, mod- we're not a monolith. And so I want to make sure as a black man, I want to highlight that from a black male perspective. And also whenever I'm working with a black woman or any woman for that matter, I want to make sure that I have women present on set with me because, you know, I have the vision, but I don't, I didn't live, I don't live that life. I'm not a woman. So right. I, I need women around me to assist me. Mm. And you know, it can be white, black, Asian. I just need women around me to assist whenever I'm creating a project. And like, you know, I want to make sure the woman that's on camera feels comfortable. She feels safe because you know, has safety, convenience, comfort. Those things really, really matter. Yeah, so, especially I guess for an actress who's on camera who needs to right. perform, as well as the people on your team who need to be able to help you with right. creating the best experience possible. There was something that you said um, that in your descript- description of yourself, like mm-hmm. being being able to take ownership of your ability to like just experience yourself mm-hmm. and find yourself. And right. then you said like, you know, I've been dealing with my identity since I was younger. We yeah. all have, honestly. Yeah. So that's the yeah. funny thing. Um, so just to, to, to set also a different, to, to kind of uh, give context to your, your current growth, mm-hmm. you're still doing all of this right. while maintaining your nine to five. Right. So like how, well, for the listeners and viewers, what is it that you do in your nine to five? I'm actually a graphic designer. Yes. And it, it aligns to like what yeah, it is it that you do to. now. And I think the beauty of that is, um, as a graphic designer, a good graphic designer, um, because when I say that good design isn't aesthetics, good design is functionality. So mm-hmm. if something functions, that makes it good, not what it looks like. So in terms of that, um, you know, like I said, I'm a designer at a, where now we're Scripps Networks, mm-hmm. but I do a lot of work for um, Bounce TV and Brown Sugar, which is an SVI service, streaming videos on demand, and you know they really highlight black exploitation films. And the beauty of Bounce is the fact that, you know, being a black male, being able to highlight black people for a black network in a positive light. Mm. And to do that, you know, with my trade, I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, Which is one thing that you just said, though, that a lot of, dare I say, creatives don't speak to. Mm -hmm. You delineated the difference between, you know, graphic design that just looks good mm-hmm. and graphic design that's functional. Right. And when I think about functionality, I feel like what one thing that you might be saying is something that converts a client or something right. that like has, it speaks to customers and, and conveys a specific message. Is that what you mean? Yeah, so with, cause I also went to school for um, graphic design, but mm-hmm. I went to Savannah College of Art and Design. I graduated from the Atlanta campus, but um, I spent two years at um, 
the Savannah campus, but I graduated from the Atlanta campus. I did my two-year uh, general studies at Georgia Perimeter, which is now Georgia State Decatur campus, I think. Mm -hmm. So in that name, graphic design is visual communication, so to visually communicate something. And I've seen a lot of designers, like one of my favorite um, graphic designers, he's passed away now, his name is Massimo Vignelli. Mm. He was from uh, Italy, mm -hmm. and him and his wife, Layla Vignelli, Layla Vignelli, she was basically like, you know, not basically, she was his glue. And to be honest, I think she was better than him overall, but he got more credit because he was a man. Got it better than him in terms of talent or better than um, him in terms of, like, what skill did I she have? I guess it was more so the, um, really everything, because he was graphic designer, architect, um, industrial designer and she mm -hmm. did all the same things but even more and so in terms of like I was saying like visual communications most people they don't really visually communicate they just like well you know this is pretty so let's go with that yeah like most clients don't really know what or how something should function it's like okay I'm give you an example um someone wants a logo but within that logo they want a gradient mm -hmm. it may look good on screen but it's not functional for print because that same gradient won't tra it won't translate the exact same way. Yeah. And so you know when you have a logo, logos are supposed to be flat because when it's a flat logo, it's functional and you can use it in different different spaces and different times. And if you have a thin stroke, it'd be hard to see when it's really really small. And you know you want to be bigger, you want to be bold, you also want it to be simple. Um, and when I mean visual communication, like with logos, logos are identifiers. So when you see a logo, it's Okay, we're gonna use um, Nike. Um, Nike's probably one of my favorite logos because people say it's a check. It's actually not a check. It's a wing based a on wing. the wing victory, yes, of a Greek goddess, which is the goddess of victory. Um, which hence the name, you know, like Greece and athletics and things of that nature. That's kind of where Nike goes. Olympians and things Olympians. like that. Right, right, right. Wow. Yeah. So, so and, and I love, so you're breaking down well, a lot of people really simplify right. in terms of like going into entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. which is what we're always, we, the first thing that we want to create is our logo. After, right. after, well, that's literally the first thing we're like, yeah. and the logo is going to look like right. this. Yeah, yeah. And what you're saying is you, there's functionality, mm -hmm. um, but then there's also what are you communicating to your audience? Right. So for a lot of people out here who like go to Fiverr mm -hmm. and like just kind of get a logo made, do you notice, like, in your, just your typical eye, everyday mm -hmm. self, are you like, do you look at logos and like, like, why would you do this? Like, what is, what are you trying to say? Yeah, like, how does that? Yeah, <laughs> I think I do that. Um, I want to do it often. I used to. Yeah. I, I, um, you know, I, I do do it sometimes. And like, when I see logos, it's like, so many people is like, hey, I want a flower, I want an apple, I want a tree, I want roses in my logos. Like, that's not a logo. That's the illustration or a graphic. Mm -hmm. Logos are supposed to be simple because logos are the identifier of the brand. They're not the, they're not the brand themselves. So mm. when you think of Nike, the, the wing victory, that's the logo. That's the identifier. You know what Nike is when you see that. That's the identifier. And in terms of when you see an athlete disabled or transgender or, you know, young, old, in the poor country, when you see them wearing Nike shoes and running down the street at like five o'clock in the morning, that's the brand. Like the brand is what people 
when they think of you, that's what they think of. That's the brand. Mm. And when they see you, when they see you, it's like, oh, that's what they, the logo is that. Like when you see the logo, okay, well, this is that person. That's the identifier. Mm. And then when you see that person running at five o'clock in the morning, this is what you envision. Like Steve Jobs had a campaign. It was called Think, um, Think Different. Yeah. And I was inspired by that to make my Be Timeless campaign. And it was kind of like the same Be, be Timeless? Be Timeless, mm-hmm. yes. And so that's why like family is timeless. Yeah. Um, grandmothers are timeless siblings are timeless and i literally just took like you know just old polaroids like my siblings and grandparents and things of that nature is because i want to resonate with people on a human level Mm. and that's what builds brand is to be able to connect with someone on a human level versus just trying to capitalize on them get money from them from the jump it's like you know you have to build social wellness and a social and then like you know just a it's a human connection yeah and i feel like a lot of brands don't do that it's just because entrepreneurship is a cool new thing right now. Yeah. And to be honest, being an artist is too. Mm-hmm. It's like to be an artist right now is almost the same as being an entrepreneur. It's like, you know, well, I painted a picture of Outcast. I'm an artist. Yes, by default, that can make you an artist. But, you know, I do feel like certain things, you have to have a collegiate background mm-hmm. and study certain things. Like, I don't think you really need that to be an artist. But I think as a designer, it's some form of like a collegiate training. Education. Yeah, that you need to really, really, you know, you you can't break the rules unless you know them. Yeah. And so, you know, as a... Ooh, you can't break the rules unless you know them. Yeah. There is something to be said about that mm-hmm. in both the artistry mm-hmm. as well as in entrepreneurship. Because as, you, as we started this conversation, you were talking, you were simply talking about, you know, Graphic design or graphic, just right. the actual image being there's um, just looking pretty mm-hmm. and then there's communication, right? right? There's the functionality behind it. That's what right. it was. It's just looking pretty and the functionality. And what I was what I was thinking was, you know, for me learning about marketing from a business perspective, I always look at what are you trying to communicate? How do you want the customer to buy? How do you mm-hmm. want them to convert to a client? So I'm always thinking business. And when I meet creative people, mm-hmm. You have starving artists and then you have, um, you know, business artists or designers or things like that. Mm -hmm. And then even having you go through. So follow me here because I'm just kind of thinking through Mm -hmm. this, how this conversation is unfolding. But even as you're like walking us through your experience, Mm -hmm. you have that classical training, you know, Mm -hmm. like, you know, that technical training about design through SCAD. Mm -hmm. But then now and and that's what led you to bounce. Right. That's what led you to Mm -hmm. your corporate career. Mm And it sounds like we're now in a place where you finally know the technical, you have done the, the, the educational work, you've done the craft, and now you're shifting into this transition in your life where you're essentially kind of breaking the rules in your career. Right. Right. Would you say that that's, that's how you would describe this transition oh, yeah. into entrepreneurship? Um, honestly, yeah. I mean... I wouldn't say it's now. I've been breaking the rules for a long time. You've been breaking the rules. You've been learning them and like, okay, now I want to yeah, do this. Like learning. <laughs> definitely break them but you know it's because uh, going into balance I was a contracting designer a contracting designer yeah. right right and mm-hmm. so um, I started out with a four-month internship mm-hmm. and they liked me as a person and my work so they hired me two months through that internship which is actually really cool because um, my personal work a lot of my personal work has started slowing down so you know you still have to you know support your livelihood and I think that's another thing too is the fact like they didn't just like my design work they liked me as a person 
And I think that's really, really important because I don't want to just work with someone because it's money present. I want to work with you because, you know, our souls connect or you're just a genuinely good person. For me, if you're like, oh, well, you could be making 100K a year. 100K a year is nice. But a more important question for me is like, are you happy? The top three responses that I get when I ask, why do you want to leave corporate America? Are that you want financial freedom, you want to own your own time, and you want to build a legacy for this generation and generations to come. Now, this is not a solo job. In order to transition from your nine to five into entrepreneurship, it's going to take community and it's going to take resources. And I've created the community of pioneers who are going to wrap around you and help you make that transition successfully. So if you're interested in leaving your job, go ahead and click that information below. Let's get into the community and let's transition from your nine to five into entrepreneurship successfully. Now let's get back to the episode. I would rather be happy making 30k a year than making 100k a year being a miserable human being some people are like well i'll be happy with that's per that's you that's fine but for me i'll be fine with my peace and my happiness my, like if if i don't have that it's like what do you have what do you have because i mean you know even in sociology the highest suicide rate is with millionaires mm. so think about it, it's like they say having money isn't everything but also having it is so you know i have millions of dollars I have everything I could ever want at my fingertips, but something is still missing. And that's what money can't buy. Right. So, you know, I, um, I really try to just focus on, you know, just maintaining that, that level of focus within my personal work and what I do on a daily at my, uh, my day job. Mm. And so, um, and even within that, um, I guess the way I look at it, um, I just have like an optimistic approach in terms of like a nine to five. I think some people see that as a bad thing, mm -hmm. but um, to me, I'm actually grateful and I think it's a blessing. Like I went to school for design and I'm also getting paid for design and a lot of people don't really get that. Privilege. No, they don't. And I, I enjoy, I enjoy design. So it's like, I'm never really working and it's Ooh. actually interesting. People don't see a nine to five as another stream of income. Mm -hmm. They see it as a burden. Yeah. But if I'm working, if I'm doing Crave Direction on Thursday through Sunday, I'm working this nine to five Monday through Friday. And, you know, I may have my fashion brand that I'm literally just did online. So I'm really doing that all the time. Mm -hmm. That's three streams of income. Yeah. But people just see nine to five as a burden because most people don't enjoy what yeah. they do. Yeah. And I'm sure some people do, but I really enjoy design. Like, I don't ever feel like I'm working. And some people are like, well, you know, working 40 hours a week is a lot for some people. Yeah. But when you go into entrepreneurship, you're doing like 120 hours a week. Absolutely. But, you know, when you're doing it for yourself, I think that's a little different. Um, yeah. When you think, when you say like, for nine to fivers, I would say yes, 70% 70, 70 of nine to fivers don't enjoy their job. Right. And so when I work with a client who's like, you know, and I, I typically will say, you know, if you don't want to be in your nine to five, I help you go into entrepreneurship. Right. But the problem is not always the nine to five. Mm -hmm. The problem may be first to restructure. What are you doing in your nine to five? What company or department within your company are you working for? Then we can bring that good stuff right. into entrepreneurship right. if you still deem to, you know, to do mm -hmm. it because you can be an entrepreneur, which is what you're doing right mm -hmm. now. Or you might say, OK, no, this corporate. Be, yeah. 
I basically feel like you have a, the perfect like mix between, um, and you perfect you have right. a nice yeah exactly right. Yeah. And the way you even describe it, I can't even re- I can't even restate it. You said, um, well, you, you just said it. You don't. You never feel like you're working. Yeah, so I never feel like I'm working. Like every, the only time I feel like I'm working is when you know I gotta feel like you know like paperwork or design a cover letter to submit some artwork. Yeah, because like, then you have to be like, okay, no, what did I do? Right. I, yeah, like, it's like, okay. Like I mean, I can write you a movie script or a creative brief or something, but it's like when I have to start, like you know, like taxes and stuff like that like that's the boring stuff yeah, yeah. Like, you know like my i have a very short attention span and mm. stuff like that it's like it don't last long i need somebody to do this like that's i know myself mm-hmm. and that's not my strength mm. so i don't want to do things i don't enjoy yeah <laughs> so you know that i mean you know i was listening to gary Vee one time and he made a valid point that i feel like a lot of people don't talk about he mentioned that stop calling people lazy some people are genuinely lazy, but within that, it's deeper than that. It's like, you're calling them lazy, but you're not trying to understand the reasons on why. And when you think of a lazy person, a lazy person is a person that doesn't want to do something, but why don't they want to do it? And yeah. you know, they don't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So when you don't enjoy something, you drag your feet, you're just like, ugh, you don't want, you're sluggish, you don't want to do it. And so I think truly understanding the human psyche and understanding how people function and think versus just going to that first thing first. Like, mm-hmm. You're lazy. It's like, okay. They may not want to do this, but go deeper than that. Yeah. The why. Yeah. It's like, I don't enjoy this. Like, if I'm just doing this mundane task, I'm not going to want to do that. But when I'm designing, it's like, bling. Like, when I'm on set, and that's, that's, that's how I knew my transition was valid. Um, I go off emotion and feeling, and what really, really makes me happy. Um, creating art is great, but I realized I enjoy social wellness, the experience, people, process, the grunge, putting it together. I enjoyed that part more than just hanging art on a wall. It's like, I was hanging art on a wall to get the people to come together. And I was like, now I can, you know, now that I know what I really like, I can change that now. So versus me just putting art on the wall to bring people together, I can create an experience based around a particular topic and bring people together with no art on the wall. And mm. so, you know, when I knew that, you know, I'm big on, like, my brand, Sherrodic Spice and Temporary Creative House, S-S-C-C-H, um, you know, really focusing on contemporary things, which is the now. I just want to change the way people experience things. So, you know, versus just going to look at a painting on the wall, going inside the painting, like literally stepping inside the painting and seeing all the different pieces. It's like you're going inside the artist's mind. Um, and, you know, just change the way people experience. Cause people want to feel and touch and see things. I mean, you know, with the the, the pandemic, that shows that people want to feel human. Yeah. And I think that's definitely a way of doing it. To like, you know, a lot of people to experience, be around other people, touch, feel, you know, just utilize our senses as humans. And, you know, I feel like it was kind of, I don't say stripped away. It was necessary. Like that year away. Um, Cause 2020 in hindsight for a lot of people was, you know, it's clear vision, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, but the reality of it is 2020 was hard for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I'm blessed and grateful again, like that that was one of the best years for me. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's that's just what that is. I love it. When you talk about your, your business, and I want to get into your vision a little bit more, okay. but I, 
Well, I want to. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and get into tell it me, now. Tell me, tell me what you want to. Well, it was you were talking. You just you're very clear in your identity, right? You say, I know what I like. I know yeah. what I don't like. Uh-huh. It's a lot of people. T- it takes time for mm-hmm. that to get to, for people to get yeah, there. I'm still definitely in that space of figuring it out as we all are but when you when i what i wanted to kind of get to is before scat Mm -hmm. before you know uh shirajic spikes you know media entertainment not entertainment uh contemporary creative contemporary creative Creative house House. yeah Um, my acronym is sscch sscch lord i'm gonna get it (laughs) so before all of that you were just a kid Mm -hmm. You just wanted to like do what? Did you did you know you were gonna be in a creative space, or what did your parents want you to do? How did, how did that come to pass? Funny, um, I've always wanted to be a creative. Like that was, I, I knew that's what I wanted to do. In my really? Life. Yeah, I just I just wanted to do something that I knew I would have fun doing mm-hmm. every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and because before graphic design, creative direction. My dream career was an architect. I love design, I love buildings. Like, we go together, go out, you may just see me just taking a picture of a building. I just love buildings and like design. It's just something about it. I don't know why I just really resonated with it. And um, my toy of choice when I was a kid was Legos. Mm. And so, and I was very particular. And um, I realized that as a young kid, I could never play with Legos that were different. Like if I had this black Lego that had scratches on it, I didn't want to use that Lego. All the Legos, I, all the other Legos had to look the exact same. They had to look brand new, they had to look fresh. I could not play with this one. It's like, I would just throw it in and like, do not use five. <laughs> and I was doing this at like five or six. It's like, that's a vivid memory I remember yeah. playing as a kid. And I was like, I can't use my white because it's not a white anymore. It's like a dingy off-white now. Mm. I was very, very, very particular. particular yeah. And I think that's what also makes me a, a, a really good designer is to be very particular, to, to communicate things well. Um, I was always a loner. I'm the youngest of four children. Um, you know, I was always, always by myself. Like my mom's like, hey, you okay? I'm like, I was always better in my own space. Okay, independent. And very, and she didn't understand that. And, um, I didn't know how to express that to my mom at like five. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, I don't need anyone to play with me. I'm okay. Yeah. And you know, you really, really making my imagination tangible and just taking what I instilled in like what I created in my mind and just like, you know, making it tangible through Legos. Like, you know, when I think I was in the sixth grade when Twin Towers got hit and I made it out of, I had like a, a, a red, like a red Lego pedestal. And then I had, um, I created the Legos. I created the Twin Towers out of blue Legos. And I told my mom, I was like, I'm gonna send these to George Bush. She was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, I'm serious. I'm gonna, send, I'm gonna send this to George Bush. What was your point in sending this to him? Just like, I guess it was more so like a, uh, just like a, I guess like a get well thing. It was like, here, like since these are no longer here, Here's, I'm showing you my, like, here's this thing that you can have from mm. this five, six-year-old kid. Um, That's sweet. Yeah, well, I, I, don't, I think maybe I was like 10. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because you said sixth grade. Yeah, sixth grade. Yeah. So I'm like 10 or 11, yeah. yeah. But I was just like, you know, that's just what I thought then. Like, you don't have this type of access to the present. Yeah. I didn't know that. But that's even a sweet thing because even, you know, as black kids, we're tainted. I, I had, I didn't know 
but I knew mm -hmm. I didn't like George Bush. Yeah. <laughs> for you know, just because of my environment. Right. A lot of people didn't like George Bush. Right. So just even off of the right. the smallest inclination that you wanted to do something sweet for the president mm -hmm. says something about that says a yeah. lot about your environment and that you weren't necessarily tainted from a political standpoint. Yeah, no, I um like politics was a thing that we talked about, but that wasn't the, you know, the driving factor of how we existed to live mm. as people, especially people of color in America. Yeah. Um, what were some of those like values that, that your family stands on? Um, you know, uh, morality was definitely a big one, you know. Wow. Keeping God first, education, respect yourself and mm -hmm. others, you know, um, you know, always be honest and loyal. Look out for your family, things of those, things of that nature. And to this very day, that's that's how I live my life. And that's how I model myself. Like you know, yeah. be the best version of myself, and you know, also give that version of myself to other people. It's like you know, um, people say, "How do you like to be treated?" But it's like you know, how do you need to be treated? Is more so. That's a bigger thing because how you like to be treated versus how you need to be treated is two different things. And you know, even learning love languages. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, I guess it's kind of going a little deeper into psychology, as a young black male, as I've gotten older, I realized that a lot of black children don't know their parents yeah. as people. Right. They mm. know them as parents. Right. And so if you joke with your mom or dad and they get offended by it, you're not don't take that personal because you're not offending your parent, you're offending that person and you don't really know that person. And so to truly know who they are, like sit down and talk to them, what they like, what they dislike. Cause a lot of times it's like mom, dad, like who are they? Mm. You know, cause the position that you're in, they were also there at one point too. And I don't think, um, some parents don't even care to share that. Cause like, you know, I'm the parent. I just need to stand this way. But it's like, I don't know how I need to love you if I don't know who you are, what you need as a human being, not as my mother, but as a human being. Because yeah. you were a human being before you was a mother, wife, husband, any of that. Yeah. And, um, you know, and again, like, you know, like parents don't know how their children need to be loved. It's just, I'm the parent, I'm just doing my job to console you, but how do you need to be loved? I need space. My mom didn't understand that when I was younger. And I think now that I'm older, I can explain that a little better to her. It's like, hey, I, I need space. Like I'm the person. I go to the beach at night. Um, I just go for long walks. Like I just need to be in nature. I just need to be separated from people. Certain periods of time. Everyone's not like that. Mm -hmm. like, even during the holidays, I can be upstairs designing something. She wants everyone's together. Together here. Yeah. Like, even I just don't function that way. Mm. Um, it kind of sucks sometimes. I don't want her to feel like you know I'm abandoning or neglecting the family. It's just you know. I just don't function that way. Yeah. Did you also have your dad with you? Yes. Okay. I, I hate to interrupt, but I wanted oh, yeah, to no, also no, no. bring together. So mom wanted like more so connectedness. She yeah. wanted you. She wasn't necessarily helicopter mom, but she wanted more yeah. connected connectedness with you. Yes. And then dad was. Yeah, he was. He was the um like even with him, it's like you know, I loved him. I think uh, I learned a lot from him. He he taught me how to. He taught me how to love a woman. Ooh. And so, you know, being black, that's not a thing that you really see a lot. Mm -mm. Um, like I said, I, and he taught me without even saying anything. I, you know, I pay attention to what people do, not what they say. Yeah. Like, he tell my mom, like, I love you, kisses, hugs, 
um, in the 90s, you know, when it was cool. Mm-hmm. They used to go on anniversaries. He used to get her a dozen of roses in the limousines, and we'd be playing Nintendo 64, and mm. like go to Blockbuster, get a video. And it was just like those, th- th- those little things. It's like whatever they're doing that I can't see, that's a thing. But everything that they are doing in my sight, it's wow. like she's always smiling, she's always happy. So it's like he's doing something right. And, um, you know, like I said, I, and, and the reason why my mom, I, I'm going a little dark here. It's like the reason why my mom was so protective over me because I had a very complicated childhood. I dealt with, um, you know, a lot of supernatural entities and things of that nature. And um, it's just, I used to get tormented by demons a lot when I was younger in my nightmares and in my awakening life. Mm-hmm. And that happened from basically. I think I remember my first nightmare, I was like five or six. So basically from like six, head like heavy, 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 from like six to like 17. Mm. And so, um, you know, it's kind of hard to be normal when you're dealing with things that's beyond you and this universe. And um, like, you know, I've, and being at SCAD, you know, it's an art school. A lot of people are very open to their views and a lot of people don't believe in things. And that's okay. I, I get that. But I only base my belief system on what I've experienced. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that really triggered me to do things the way that I do them. And, you know, I'm obsessed with the afterlife. And people think of death as a stopping point. Right. They don't see death as a part of the life cycle. Mm-hmm. Because it is. Like, you can't have life without death. Right. Um, you know, even when I was born, I wasn't supposed to, well, I was supposed to be here because I'm here. But my mom had her tied, her tubes tied, clipped, and burned. Right. Now she had my sister. Mm. And I still came. I came two months early. Um, I died like three times. Mm. My heart stopped beating like three times for like 20 minutes at a time. And it was just like, they didn't think I was going to make it. Wow. And so it was, it's more to, I think, just my appeal and what I like and what I'm really, really in tune with. I think it came from my, like, just my overall experiences as a human being within these last uh, 30 years. Yeah. And so, you know, and, th- and again, that's that's why that identity is so important to me. Absolutely. It's like, you know, like, that's why like getting a little dark and going a little deeper into it. Like, that's why identity was really, really important to me. Um, Can I ask you a question? Yeah, you said You said this earlier in the interview, and so you said, my mind is a little bit dark. So at mm-hmm. first I thought it meant like, you know, sometimes... I might think uh, negative thoughts or depression, things like that. And then when you experience the supernatural experience mm-hmm. that you had when you were younger, then you accept, then you, then you kind of signal again, we're going dark. Yes. So when you say dark, your mind is so, more so going into, you're thinking spiritually dark. You're also thinking, are you thinking like evil when um, you say dark? What is that? And then what actually, is the light? That's a good question. Yeah, that's a good question you asked. Because when I say dark, Dark for me isn't necessarily like evil or bad. Dark for me is the unknown. The unknown. Yes. So in that's why light. When you come to light, mm-hmm. you come. It's clarity. Light bulb. Yeah. Light bulb. Yeah. So. so okay. So continue. You were kind of speaking a little bit more about the dark part. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like when I whenever I say dark, um, or a dark mind, like I said, it's unknown and like you know, okay, dark mind. Like I like. And dark, dark in terms of like visuals, like a very dark undertone, like, you know, Adam's Family, um, American Horror Stories, mm-hmm. one of my favorite TV shows, um, 
I did a, I had a, an art show, like my dad passed away when I was in college. Mm. I curated a, that was actually my last art show. That's, mm-hmm. That was done with art shows after that. And I was like, is it gonna be creative experiences or exhibitions at this point? Um, it's kind of like the same thing, but it's, it's kind of different. Um, but that was like a retrospective of five years of work that I created, my dad passed away. Um, and so I was in a, hence the name, blackface. So I created, all dark work mm. and it was all about death like one piece i created it was a um, it was called death wish and it was a wishbone mounted on a pedestal and everything was all black the pedestal was black and i painted the wishbone black and i just think it's ironic that people utilizes utilize the bone of a dead bird to grant them luck when the bird's luck is already up and it's like people don't think of it that way it's like oh i'm using a wishbone for luck but it's just like that's from a bird that's dead already so it's like, you know, this that idea to me is fascinating. Mm. Um, Your I can literally explore your mind yeah. all day. <laughs> There's so many different like trains of thought that I have. Mm. So you know we're gonna have to have like more and more and more discussion. Like this this does not end here. Okay. But there are a couple things that I'm thinking about, like, and I wanna just kind of pick them out because <clears throat> they're really important noting. We started talking about graphic design right. and how, you know, it's a logo that really has, if it's not functional, then like, it, like not, there's no point, right? There's no point, right. And how, and whatever it is, this icon, whatever it is, mm-hmm. it has communication, it has depth to it. Mm-hmm. Taking it back to your childhood, watching your parents interact, one thing that you said was, I learned how to love a woman. Mm-hmm. But the way you experienced it was, this is how they act. Mm-hmm. Whatever that, whatever's behind this, there's a whole lot more behind it. But right. this is what love. They're communicating mm-hmm. love, right. and as a man, you one the way you understand graphic design is also the way you have learned come to learn love mm-hmm. as a man. And I think it also before I lose my train of thought because mm-hmm. I'm like going no, so far into your I mind. Know we, I know we just love going to but I uh, but uh, everything ties in because. Mm-hmm the way you um, learn to like uh, appreciate women was the same way you communicate in graphic design. Mm-hmm. Now, tr- con- connecting that with, <clears throat> there's so many things I can connect it with, but one of the yeah, ways, me more, yeah, me yeah more. one of the ways is the way you express your like models. Like when you, when you uh, f- uh, photograph a woman, right? Mm-hmm. And we just had a whole conversation about how you're able to um, appreciate a woman from different perspectives, right? Mm-hmm. You understand like attractive is not just like 35, 45, 47, right? right. You, you know a little bit more behind yeah. it. So even the way you appreciate women um, speaks to that. I'm coming to a question here mm-hmm. because I'm just really appreciating your mind and I'm appreciating how you came to everything. But as a man, mm-hmm. Do you feel like, uh, as a man in corporate America who's also a creative, mm-hmm. and then knowing other men who are in corporate America and creative, do you feel like the way you have come to understand things is what keeps you balanced in like the, you know, you know, corporate and non-corporate lifestyle where a lot of us are so maybe shallow. You're a lot more deeper, so that yeah. makes it less of a. Yeah, I think I think that definitely. I think you know that balance. It definitely it definitely helps a lot um, because you know you have to know 
when to stop both. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, if you have a set schedule on your day job, stop that at that time. And if you have to go to bed on your job, it's like, stop that also. It's like, you just have to know when, when to stop, when to keep going. Um, Cause a lot of people just like, oh, you know, team no sleep. And it's just like, you know, that's not healthy though. You know, um, sleep deprivation, and you know, you just not really allowing yourself to be 100% and be functional. And, you know, if you have to do too much of one, then you know, that balance is lost and then one's gonna eventually slip. Um, I've learned to now, like I've been doing it for a while to like really just balance out, okay, I have this to do, but I also have to plan this experience. This experience is gonna take me this long, but I still have this work to do. We may have an influx of work. We have to deal with a lot of new clients. Um, So it's just like, how am I going to balance this out? And you have to like, even with me having, like it's hard for me to focus. And so this is, it can be challenging sometimes, but I've been doing it for so long. It's just become like, I won't say a mundane thing, but it's like second nature now. And so- um, What's the mundane thing? It's like just doing my personal work and then doing my day job work. It's like that I don't, I don't really think of it as like a thing that I'm balancing anymore or at least being intentional about it. Okay. It just just happens now. It's like, wake up, check my emails, pray, do yoga, get my tea, go to the gym. Um, you know, post some stuff on my personal social, then look at my, uh, my work emails, see what I have to do there. And like, you know, just intertwine the two without being overwhelmed. Mm. Um, and even when I do get overwhelmed, which like two weeks ago, I was just in like, I was really, really like beat. I was like, damn, like this is a lot. I'm yeah. really overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And you know, I just took a step back from everything. I put down everything, um, took a break from my day job, took a break from my personal stuff, like literally put everything down. Mm-hmm. And I just went outside, went for a walk, um, started listening to some like Zen uh, anxiety relief music. And so, like, those those therapeutic things really, really, like, help. And, like, you know, just having that that balance of work and play, of really knowing how to actually play when you're always working. Yeah. And so... How do you set expectations with the external world as you experience everything internally? Um, that's actually an easy question to answer. I don't have expectations for the outside world. Do, but then what about managing their expectations for you? Um, I think that's a question. I think it's a tricky question. Yeah. Because sometimes if I don't set expectations, then they won't really have anything to follow. But if I tell them like exactly, like I'm a person, I give a lot of information. I over, I try to make sure I overstand everything because I want it to be clear and concise because again, with identity, this is an issue that I used to have with um, my mom and my sister. Um, they thought I was just being a douchebag. At times, you know, I could be being a douchebag with them, but most of the times it wasn't. It was like, I need all of this information from you so I can give you exactly what you need or what you want from me. And they were like, no, you're just giving us a hard time. And I was like, I'm not. Like, this is how I function as a human being. Mm. And you have to know that that's, that's me. That's my identity. That's who I am. This is how I function as a human being and so um just really getting to that place of having expectations for people mm. if i don't if i don't set them i don't i don't expect anything mm. and it's, it's like well you know i tell everybody we're all black 
I just said we're all black. I didn't say what they had to look like. I didn't say if it had to be formal, if they had to be dressed down. So someone come in here with some balling shorts on and a t-shirt, I can't get upset because I said all oh, black. Mm-hmm. I didn't go into depth about what what that black had to look like. And I think um, you know, I just hold myself accountable for that type of stuff. Okay, you hold yourself accountable for that kind of stuff. And then if we're thinking like being in the corporate space mm-hmm. and managing your client expectations, both in the corporate space and in your personal work. Mm-hmm. How do you manage their expectations of you? Like, what's the creative process and what are some of the things that your clients need to be aware of mm-hmm. so that you can be your best you? Um, well, first, you know, like uh, communicating everything up front mm-hmm. and communicate to understand, like, what are your needs? What does that look like? Like, what you want, what don't you want? Because a lot of people ask, what do you want? But not enough people ask, what don't you want? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the same thing in the corporate space. It's like I treat them kind of like the same because when you're dealing with design, it's, I guess, in terms of top tier design, top tier graphic design is on a corporate level. So naturally, when I'm dealing with clients in a corporate setting at work, it's kind of the same way I'm dealing with like clients and people that I'm dealing with on like my on a personal, like my personal work. Mm-hmm. And so within that, it's not really, I guess it's a balance, but it's more so it equates the same mm. because, you know, I'm handling the exact same because it's kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's like, well, if we need, we have a, Bounce has a new TV show. Um, it's called uh, Johnson's. It's about four, uh, four, black, uh, four black males there. Uh, they've been best friends since uh, childhood and they all have, you know, the same last name. And so within that and about the communicating, it's like, you know, Whenever we're communicating, it's like, okay, what is it going to look like? Who's it going to appeal to? Um, How's it going to re- resonate with them? And like all these things, you have to know these things to where you can properly communicate. Mm. Um, and that's in corporate, <clears throat> my, my, my job, my corporate setting, and also in my, uh, my personal brand. It's like, okay, I need a teaser poster. I want to give them enough, but I don't want to give them too much. And it's the same as that thing. It just translates different because I'm doing it, but it's, it's a different project. Hmm. And um, like I said, it's uh, it really equates to it really equates to being the same thing because it kind of is. Mm-hmm. It's just on a different um, level. And of course, you know, uh, the uh, the ETA is a little different. <laughs> right. So, True. Yeah, so. A little bit different pressure and right, a little right. bit less uh, control maybe on your side when it's the corporate side versus your your personal work i feel like you'd be a good a good person to ask this so we've been we've been dipping and diving mm-hmm. in different places of your right. mind anyway mm-hmm. so hopefully you can follow me yes, 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 cool. <laughs> so in the the reason i feel like you'd be a good person to talk to about this because you've talked about you know transitions and mm-hmm. identity you've even you know hinted at the fact that you can create work or you understand how to address certain topics that could be taboo, like, you know, uh, transgender and female and male, black Mm -hmm. and white race and things like that. There's something you said from your personal experience. Mm -hmm. I'm a man, I don't know the woman, so I bring women on my team so Mm -hmm. that they can provide that woman quality. Mm -hmm. I want to make the woman feel safe so that she can perform at her best Mm -hmm. because I am a man and and I have that experience. It's kind of refreshing to hear a man say that, especially for women who feel like transgender people don't necessarily 
exist <laughs> or they're, they're not, they, they shouldn't be respected right. or valued as a human being. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so to have an objective point about this, this one thing that you said as a man who clearly respects transgender, mm -hmm. but then also... Um, I respect people. 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 But then also you rec recognizing that you have the male experience. Mm -hmm. How do you um, use your work to, how do I say this? How do you use your work to, well, and still have your, your same mindset of like, okay, the male, the male experience is the male experience, the female experience is the female experience while respecting the transgender experience mm -hmm. um, through your work. Yeah, I would say, um, I would say to first know and learn about the things that are beyond you so you're not um, ignorant, and ignorant as in to being obnoxious, but ignorant as to the unknown and not knowing. Um, like I said, like everything, it literally all ties to identity. Because mm -hmm. um, when I was growing up, a lot of people thought that I was gay because, you know, I was really well kept. Um, I got my nails and toes done. I still do it to this day. I actually have an appointment next week. I'm gonna get facials, get really, really groomed, and hyper masculinity was really, really. Um, I'm, it's still really, really prominent and heavy, and uh, you know, all over the world, but really, really in the South, because people have this very particular idea of what a man, especially a black man or a dark-skinned male, should or should not look like. Um, and so within that, it was just like being approached by gay men on a regular basis. It was just like, it was never a problem. I appreciate the compliment, but it was like, in my mind, I'm trying to figure out and understand what is it about me that make them think that, hey, like, hey, he's, he's also, you know, a part of this community as well. Um, so that's more so just me just trying to understand it. And I worked in Midtown, Atlanta. Um, you know, they have the, uh, the rainbow crosswalk and I worked in a print shop and the owner of the print shop, he's also, um, he's a gay male, he's a gay white male. Um, I met him when I was out in college in Savannah and amazing guy, amazing human being, you know, I got up here, he gave me my job here. Um, and it was an LGBTQ, um, print shop like all the owners were uh were gay um transgender clients gay cl like just you know just a community and mm -hmm. so you know <clears throat> like when i think of homosexuality i think of it as a spectrum of outcasts and with being an outcast my entire life it's like i know what that feeling is like and so to know what that feeling is like i don't want anyone else to feel that it doesn't matter if they look like me or not or if they you know they identify as something that I don't identify as. I'm extremely passionate about helping corporate professionals transition into entrepreneurship. So I had to share the one thing, the number one thing that helped me develop as an entrepreneur, and that's the morning meetup. I joined the morning meetup specifically for the structure because I'm, I'm leaving corporate America, so I'm used to those morning huddles. We got our sales, we know what our goals are, and we get our day started. So I was missing that for two years before I even found the morning meetup. Now, the second thing that I really, really benefited from was the revenue, revenue generating activity 
LLCs was not necessarily a thing before 2021. Now I had my LLC, I had my website, I had a few clients here and there, but the momentum really took off as soon as I got around like-minded individuals and people who really knew the struggles that I was already dealing with that I could get over my fear of sales and communicating my value and putting myself out there on social media. The friends that I've developed, the mentors and the mentees that I've, that I've created relationships with, everything has really created this environment for us to thrive as entrepreneurs. So if you wanna develop as an entrepreneur, you're leaving corporate America and you're trying to figure out how do I get my footing in entrepreneurship, then the morning meetup will definitely be a game changer for you. You can learn with us, you can grow with us. And I didn't even mention that we have a book club. Join us in the community, let's get started today. You will not regret it. And you know, um, some of my closest friends are gay. And you know, your sexual preference doesn't make you a good or a bad person. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just how you are as a person. That's that's the deciding factor. Mm -hmm. And so you know, I, um, you know, I just want to make sure that you know, being on that spectrum of being an outcast, I just want to make sure that everyone. And that's I don't I don't have a lot of um, I don't have a lot of friends. Um, views are different, and so if someone we don't have like you know certain things you know especially when people are being oppressed. I can't really, um, I can't really get with that. So it's like you know, um, and being being a creative my entire life, creatives are just free, mm -hmm. they're open, like you know, <clears throat> having wild hair, like just just being themselves. And I think so many people are consumed about what they don't want versus just being focused on who they actually are and what they do want. And um, like I said, dealing with transgenders and like gay people, male, female, um, whatever they identify as, it's like at the end of the day, it's all just a human being, you know? Mm -hmm. They're all humans and, and like it's something, of, and I think just go, like having uh, friends with the, LGBT, with the LGBTQ community, mm -hmm. it's, it allows you to step out of yourself mm -hmm. and try to be more understanding of something that's beyond you. And, um, like okay if just think about it like oh he's gay or she's gay it's like being black being black is amazing but if a lot of black people knew what it was like to be black growing up and being in the south do you think they would really want that it the idea of that sounds nice but the reality of that is they wouldn't want that so do you think someone chose to be gay and i want everything that comes with that i want to be spit on in public I want to be talked about. I want to be bullied every second of my existence. Like, do you think someone really, really wants that for their life? It's it's the equivalent to me. Again, this is how my mind works. It's like I think being without knowing my understanding of homosexuality is to go outside and see two flowers, and one flower just naturally, like a, a biological makeup, it just connects with you more than the other one does. And I think. In short, that's that's my that's what it means. And if that's what have to be a guy, it's a guy. If it's what have to be a woman, it's a woman. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, you can see a lot of attractive men, but to, he he's attractive. You can be a straight man and say another guy's attractive. Absolutely. But it's like he's attractive. I desire him sexually. Mm -hmm. That's something different. Yeah. And I don't think that's something within someone's control. Mm. And it's like you know, and the same thing with a woman. It's like you know, growing up, a lot of girls are experimenting. And even within that, it's like you know, well. A woman can experiment with her sexuality, but a man can't. It's like a woman, 
oh, I was gay when I was like 13. Yeah. But a man is like, if you was gay at 13, you're literally gay your entire life. Yeah. And it's like, it's, 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 no, it's not as uh, it's, right, it's no, flexible right, for right, men it's, it's as it is flexible. for women. <laughs> right, it's not. And I think yeah. it's because, you know, we, um, <clears throat> we glorify the um, masculine, the masculinity. And that's why, and that's the real reason I feel most gay men are, you know, just antagonized. Mm. It's because to some people they're taking on the the feminine energy or the feminine persona and that's looked at as lesser or inferior to the masculine or the male, which is why it's such a problem for people to see a man that's more feminine than a woman that is just like, you know, well that's what helped them sleep at night. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I I don't have any expectations of anyone else. Like you said, I mean, you being gay is not a problem for me. You being a horrible person is the problem. It's a problem. Mm -hmm. Like, you can be gay. I don't care. But when you're gay and you're a horrible person, I'm not concerned with the gay part. I'm concerned with you being a horrible person. Yeah. That's the part that I'm concerned with. And I think um, too many people put unnecessary energy and focus on things that doesn't affect them. Yeah, you have you certainly have a a beautiful mind. Thank you. You have a beautiful mind, and I think anyone who wants to allow you to create something mm-hmm. that is functional for them, either in business or in life, mm-hmm. I think through this conversation, it's very clear that you'll be able to um, uh, approach it with an open mind right. and really bring what it is that they want to bring to the fruition, to fruition, and bring to life, mm-hmm. um, to life. So that's actually been, this has been a really, really like cool journey to like just go through your mind. And in the, in the spirit of what you said earlier, which was you like to, I swear every time I try to reiterate what you said, I always think of it in a technical way. And you know what I think? You said the key word, you try to think of in a technical way. Mm -hmm. And that makes sense because you're thinking of it. Mm -hmm. So you're translating it through your mind. Absolutely. So it makes sense, but you're trying to, uh, you know, regurgitate verbatim. Absolutely. What I said, because, you know, that's how it translates to you. Yeah. That works. It it does work. But, and you know, I I think I'm good at both. Mm -hmm. But for you, I want to say it verbatim and it never grasps yeah. like my mindset. So you're right. It challenges me to just stick with what the, with the, what the way I hear it. Mm-hmm. And the way I heard what you said was <clears throat> you and through your creative process, just through like your design and everything, you try to take whatever's in your mind and make it tangible. You bring right. it to life. Right. So in the in the um, spirit of your vision, mm-hmm. remember, got back to it. <laughs> <laughs> In the spirit of your vision, um, how do you envision bringing all of this, you know, to life in a way that still feels like work and play, but is bigger? And I know you think of something bigger mm-hmm. because right now there's the corporate side of you, which doesn't feel like work is play because mm-hmm. it's, it's graphic design and you get right. to create big brands. And then as you're transitioning into this space, it's creating an experience, mm-hmm. right? Um, as a cre- creative director, part of your medium is like videography, but it's also the tangible things on set if we extrapolate that and it's not to say like oh it has to happen in five years but if we extrapolate that what is the larger vision to speak to as you think about your transition and i would say um i guess exclude well i'm gonna get to the five year thing but the ultimate goal is to be, ultimate goal yeah Yeah, give me the ultimate forget the five year the ultimate goal (laughs) is to be 
um, a world-class artist and designer and change the way people experience art, design, fashion, and wellness through the exploration of identity. And so that's the, that's the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is to, that, I can't even say five years because in five years, that's gonna still be the goal. Yeah. So it's just gonna be the same goal or mission. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to consistently evolve what that looks like. Like even yeah. now, like when you see my brand now, I'm being more fluid on what it looks like. Um, Cause at first it had to be super tailored. It had to look like this. But I was like, just be more free. Mm-hmm. And with my models, um, you know, really big on identity. But um, mainly whenever I'm shooting male or female, I prefer no makeup. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's gonna be makeup, very, very, very subtle, the no makeup makeup look, or you know, maybe like, you know, arch eyebrows or lip gloss or something like that. Um, because I feel like when you strip a person down, like when a woman is bare faced, I feel like you can see the soul of that woman. Like, and the same thing with a man, like when a man is, you know, just there. Like you just get a male model and get a female model, just put them side by side. I feel like you can see their souls. Mm. And um, it's because when I look at a person, I don't look at everything in totality. Mm. I dissect it, I break it down. Like I look at your, your, your high cheeks and then I look at your hair and your, your, um, your parts on the side. I look at your neck and your nose because every little thing is basically a um, your collage. And every little piece of that collage make you who you are. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I, that's how I see people. Like I don't just look at, oh, he's tall. But it's like, you know, look at his knees and look at his ankles and look at his feet and look at his arms and look at his chest and like literally look at everything. The same thing for a woman. It's like, wow, she's beautiful. But why is she beautiful? Um, she has distinctive eyes. She has, you know, high cheekbones. She mm-hmm. has a symmetrical face. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just everything about her is just, you know, it's, it's proportion. And people look at things like she's fine or she looks good. But it's like, why though? Like, why, do, why does this person appeal to you? Yeah. And I don't think people really, really take the time to sit and think, like, why does this person appeal to me? And, you know, I can line up five women, five different body types, and naturally, one is going to appeal to me more. It's like, and I'm not even trying, it's just like, my eyes are just going to gravitate towards that. And I think that's that bi- biological nature of just like anything. Yeah. It's like, you know, like those flowers, like, wow, that's a beautiful flower. Um, I did a series, my mom was in the hospital. It was called White Roses. My brother bought her a dozen white roses. Um, she really couldn't care for them. And this was around the time she was like really, really like coming, like recovering from her surgery. And I literally took care of her for a year. And it was probably one of the greatest highlights of my life. The fact that I was even able to do that. I just came came back from Disney, worked mm-hmm. my internship there. And you know, I was like 24, young, didn't, didn't know what my next plan was gonna be. And then this happened, I was just like, well, I guess this is my next plan. Yeah. And um, she had those flowers. And every day I was in the hospital with, I was just like looking at them, like those are really pretty flowers. Mm. And then my mind switched and I was just like, I wonder what they would look like dead. And I literally let them die. I took them home, I put them on a black backdrop and I photographed them. And in my mind, it translated as, you know, they were just as beautiful in death as they were alive. And sometimes people only want things that are alive because that's deemed as beauty versus mm-hmm. like death. And it's, it's something about dead things in the composition that still has some form of beauty that goes beyond, you know, something that's bloomed or lively. It's like the composition, the texture of the flower, the, the different gradient colors that come in when it's dead and the green that when it's like start draping over. 
and you can only see that when a flower is dead. You can't see that when it's alive. So I yeah, am so. on a, the ride of my life when it comes to your mindset. I swear. Um, there's so much to pull away from this mm -hmm. this interview and I, I as much as I want to boil it down to mm -hmm. what that one thing is there's so much more so as you continue to live I'm excited to, oh absolutely oh absolutely Definitely. and if it was a word you know I was already yeah. thinking about the title for this yeah. because identity like well it's, it's going to be a spinoff of identity just so that we are clear absolutely <laughs> yes. but as you grow mm -hmm. and as you continue to live your body of work is going to speak to what that really is mm -hmm. so i don't even want to sit here and be like oh say what does that look like and make it make it you know clear because i think every day you live intentionally i can hear it mm -hmm. and as you create your body of work it's going to continue to like bloom and blossom mm -hmm. and we'll see what that looks like so that plus thinking about your experience growing up you're this balance between like the creative unknown slash dark right mm -hmm. um spiritually unknown and then this like very tangible um worldly sense of like design from architecture to scad right mm -hmm. so to, to bounce so there's this there's this like collage of right. structure versus no structure versus the unknown versus the known and and i'm just loving it all right so um one of the uh, ceremonial questions that I ask on the podcast um, before we get out of here is for people who are just looking at your story as a person right. and they're like, oh, my gosh, like I want to one. I want to see life as work and play. Mm -hmm. I want to get there. And I don't believe that there's it's ever too late for people to get that, even though you sound like you started at a very yeah. young age. Yeah. So when you think about it and maybe you're speaking to somebody who's five. You know, maybe you're speaking to somebody who's 25 and they're still in corporate and they haven't experienced it. But what would you say that one piece of like word of advice would be so that they can live on that alignment such that you do? Um, I would say, you know, um, first and foremost, find yourself and then know yourself. And then once you get that down, it's like, you know, whatever you're doing, just make sure that you're happy and you're at peace. Like, th th those are the things, like, you know, I couldn't do what I'm doing if I wasn't happy or at peace. Because it's like, that's that driving force. Like, I couldn't do my day job. Like, I was just in New Jersey for a photo shoot on, I think, Monday? Monday, and then next day, came back to Atlanta. Okay. Well, I was there for like a weekend, came, well, stayed till Monday, came back, um, and you know, doing more work um went to the studio we also have a studio i cleaned that up and i spent the whole day in there and it was just like you know this is where i'm meant to be you know i get up every single day it's like oh what am i doing today it's because you know you have to have that that passion mm. for what you do like people speak on like you know motivation i personally don't care for motivation because motivation is a temporary feeling mm. and you're not always motivated and you know we're humans so therefore we go through different emotions and so when someone's motivated that's a temporary feeling and if you only did things when you're motivated you wouldn't get much done because you're not motivated to do it and so you know i would just really just focus on finding yourself finding what you love finding what you enjoy happiness and peace that's that's really it and you know everything else will fall into place like you know the money the money will come 
but you know you definitely want to make do something that supports your livelihood but um don't make money the only thing that you want like everything i'm doing is going to accommodate creatives like that is the goal to accommodate creators people and even in creators just like just create a stimuli some therapeutic uh experience creative experience for people um that you know a, a soldier that suffered from ptsd create like an experience with someone like that so they don't even have to be a creative it's just someone that just needs therapy or just an activity to keep them sane and just keep them going just keep them just a function happy human being mm -hmm. and so um yeah, just do something that's going to inspire and change somebody else versus just you know i was trying to chase the bag and there's nothing wrong with that mm -hmm. but you need more than just that absolutely well there you have it this has been an amazing discussion, y'all. <laughs> I really enjoyed you. Thank you so much, Sir Roderick, for joining me on the couch. If there's anyone out there who's listening or watching your story and they want to get connected with you, whether through work or personal, they just want to kind of keep up with your journey, how can they keep in touch? Yeah, so um, my website is www.sherodrickspikes.com, S-H-R-O-D-R-I-C-K-S-P-I-K-E-S. And then my Instagram is at Sherodrick, S-H-R-O-D-R-I-C-K. Um, I'm really big on LinkedIn. <laughs> Funny, I'm big on LinkedIn <laughs> and Instagram right now. Um, cooking is my guilty pleasure, so I put a lot of my cooking stuff on Facebook. So um, I'm still trying to get into like YouTube. Not the biggest fan of Twitter and playing a little bit with TikTok. But whatever you follow me on is going to be my name. So yeah, Beautiful. All right. Well, there you have it, guys. Get connected. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation because I loved it. So until next time, y'all have a beautiful, wonderful day and peace out.